Hi, this is Pastor Rick. Glad you're with us today. We're going to talk about panic today. Mature people know how to manage the panic. When the panic comes on you, what do you do? Acts chapter 10 will show us how. Right here on demand today, we're going to show you how you can calm down, be cool, be collected. And let me tell you, my friend, if you've got a nervous friend, you might need to get them to join in with you and study with us today as we show you how to stay cool, calm, and collected under pressure. Panic comes, but you can overcome it. Stay right there. Enjoy today's message. Hey, listen, I want to talk about um, panicking today because I know what panic looks like. I've, now I've panicked in my life. You, you know, I'll tell you a quick story. When I was a kid, I went camping. I used to camp all the time. You know, I was in, I was in these little groups that went camping up in the woods in California. Uh, and I, I used to, I used to uh, uh, kind of wander off. So one day I wandered off and got lost. I, in fact, I've gotten lost as a kid twice that I remember. Uh, the whole family came looking for me one time. I was right around the corner, but I got lost. And I got lost um, in the woods. That's a true story. I got lost in the woods. And I remember I was with some people. I wasn't by myself, but we were truly lost. We asked some Boy Scouts to kind of direct us, and they didn't give good directions, and we, was, we were in the woods for real. And so there's nothing like being lost. There's nothing like having that feeling of, I don't know where I am and where I'm going, and it's getting darker. And we had flashlights. That was good. But in those moments, you're tempted to panic. And I've had several moments. I've had moments when I was preaching, when I uh, fell. I fell a few times, more than once, more than twice, more than three times. I've had moments when I had some clothing issues that didn't quite come together. And uh, that was a panicking moment. I've had some issues with um, money. I've had issues with um, building projects. I've had issues with people, a lot of people issues. I had a, I've had a number of issues um, that have caused me to feel panicked. In our study today, we're going to look at how mature people respond to that. The whole series I've been doing is on maturity and how people who are mature manage certain things and what maturity demands. And one of the things it demands is that you don't panic. You got to learn how to be cool. You got to learn how to be calm and collected in the midst of difficult seasons. And let me tell you, they come all the time. I call them dragons. They fly in. They blow fire on you sometimes. Sometimes they squirt your hair. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes they wreck your nerves. Sometimes people. Sometimes it's, it's issues. It's bills. This broke. That broke. The roof's leaking. Whatever it is. I've been through all that. I understand. But the key thing is not to panic. So let me show you what the Bible says. It's in the book of Acts chapter 10. There's a great story of Peter and a guy named Cornelius. Two main guys in the story, and both guys are examples of how not to panic. Both are tempted to panic, and I want you to see the different dynamics that they go through and how, how the Bible describes their response. Look at chapter uh, 10, verse 1 of the book of Acts. At Caesarea, there was a, a man named Cornelius, a centurion, and what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. His, he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said these words, Cornelius. Wow. Okay, that's a moment that you just want to say, what in the world is that? Okay, it's an angel dude. Okay. 
is not somebody in the neighborhood. Look at verse 4. Cornelius stared at him, the Bible said, in fear. What is it, Lord? Now, I want you to look at me for a second. Think about this. The Bible said he stared at him in fear. I want you to think about that. Now, this is the guy. His eyes are around. He's, he's, he's staring. And he, he said, uh, uh, with, I'm sure, choked up, uh, <coughs> what is it? Lord, I mean, this is like, let me give you some honor. You, you, you're glowing or whatever he was doing. And there's this moment, he, he said, the angel answered, look at verse uh, four continues, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. What I like about this is he didn't say to, to Cornelius, your church attendance came up, which is a good thing to do, by the way. He didn't mention his handsome looks. He didn't mention his education. He simply said, the way you've handled the poor, God's noticed it. It's come up as a memorial before God. God noticed the good you've done for people. You're a good man. Wow. Now, you know, this is special when God sends an angel to tell a guy this. Look at verse 5. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who's called Peter. I want you to meet somebody. So, so God comes to him and says, I'm really impressed with what you've been doing. I want you to meet somebody. I want to give you a contact. I want to get you connected with somebody. Now I want you to see this. He's trying. Now this is the moment again where he's, he's Pretty panicked, you know, pretty, pretty nervous because this is not new. This is something, or this is new, rather. And this whole idea of introducing him to somebody is what this is about. Some things in your life will never settle. Some things will never, ever evolve until you meet certain people. I believe that what God has done in my life was connect me with people. And he, he's chosen to educate me, elevate me, prosper me, um, develop my life through connections. It's always intersecting with people. And, and that's important. And they're key people. I don't know who your Peter is, but they're people you meet. And these are not people you use, by the way. These are not stepping stones. These are people who simply bring you information. They help you. So he says, I want you to meet Peter. And he's staying, verse 6 says, with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. This is before you had Phone books, yellow pages, or internet Google searches. You had to, God says, he's, at this, he's, he's over there at, at this guy's house. Now, this is a moment. Verse 7. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and devout soldiers who was one of his attendants, and he told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Wow. Now, Please note, this is new. This is a monumental moment. His response to this moment will determine everything. If he panics, falls apart, doesn't respond, doesn't do it, gets nervous, he's going to miss a great opportunity. And I want you to hear me. If you panic, if you don't respond, if you, if you wait too long, you're going to miss Peter because he's not staying at that house. He's only there for a certain period of time. He's moving on. I believe that sometimes we panic, take too long to respond, and the opportunity is gone. Right now, we're in the midst of an opportunity. I really believe that. I believe that we're in the middle of an opportunity. And if you 
panic in this opportunity, you panic in this moment, you're going to miss an opportunity. You have to learn not to panic. Don't panic now. Stop. Pause. Don't panic. This is a season when you can make a decision that can change everything. And the decision to send these guys to Peter's house immediately. Right now, today, not, don't wait. One of the problems is we wait too long. <laughs> we wait too long. When the angel had spoken to him and had gone, he called them right away. He didn't wait. How many of you feel you've heard something from God? How many of you have been inspired to do something and you get all excited, but you never act? He acted immediately. Angel left. He called the guys. One more time. Angel left. He called the guys. Some of you, some of us, God inspires us. We hear a sermon, a message, we read something, and we wait for a week, two weeks, three weeks, a year. Peter has gone. If he had done that, he would have missed Peter. He would have missed this whole new opportunity. What have you missed? Because you panic, you spin around in circles, you spend four days praying, five days in anguish, 18 days or whatever. Oh, God help us. Peter has left years ago. And so God keeps trying to get you to move and you keep missing the deadline. Let me say this to you. You don't have forever. You don't have forever to get healthy. You don't have forever to change. You don't have forever to be healthy. You don't have forever. You don't have, for, you don't have forever. Whoever your Peter is, wherever your opportunity is, you don't have forever to make that decision to fix this marriage. You don't have forever to get the respect of your kids. You don't have forever. You do not have forever, sir, to get this church on the right road. You don't have forever. I'm sorry, you don't. And this season in particular, your time frame is slowly shrinking in. So notice Cornelius acting, responding, panicked at first when he saw the angel, but he gathered himself and moved forward. Now, let me turn the page to Peter. Peter in Acts chapter 10, verse 9 is highlighted, and he's, he's going to have this unusual instruction come to him that is going to be way out of line. I mentioned it the other week a little bit, but let me show you this one. This is amazing, verse 9. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw, he saw heaven opened and something like, something like a large sheet being uh, let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. While Peter was thinking about this vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Pause. Okay, so Peter is minding his own business, and all of a sudden he's hungry, he's starving, man. He's been fasting and praying, whatever. And he's standing, and so he's ready to eat. And these, this vision comes up, and there's all these things up here. You know, I don't know, pigs. Um, animals he don't eat, right? He's a Jew. He's not eating any of that stuff. And he's looking at this, and, and, and in, the, in this vision, he's told, kill it and eat it. And he's going, I don't eat that stuff. What do you mean? So this is an unusual request. Now, here's something important to notice. 
I, you know, I, you can not eat whatever you want to eat. I'm not trying to get you to eat pork or eat stuff you don't eat. This is not about, this is not about diet as much as it is about attitude towards things that you think are dirty and not good. It's this condescending, it's, you know, it is biblically true that they had dietary boundaries in the Bible in the Old Testament. Peter isn't wrong for that. But what happens is the boundaries are established, I believe, for a lot of health reasons because of where they were, and there's all kinds of reasons for this. But let's just make this point because Jesus makes the point. I mean, Peter makes the point here in the story of, in, uh, in Acts chapter 10 that God's focus was more on adjusting Peter's attitude because when he saw it, he panicked and said, no, oh, no, he, he had a... His, his attitude was condescending. And the Lord says, don't call anything I make common or unclean. I don't want you to view it that way. I don't want you to see it that way. I want you to change your view. You don't have to eat it, but I want you to change your view. You know, the message is going to become clear to him when the next thing happens, because these three Gentiles are going to show up, right? And Peter is told, now let me tell you, Peter, before you wake up here, good. There are three guys down here, and these three guys are going to come and ask you to go with them. I want you to go. I want you to not look at them the way you looked at that food and say they're dirty, they're unclean, I'm not going with them. All right, you know... You can have a religious boundary. I don't know anywhere in the Bible that says Peter changed his diet. But he did change his attitude. But it took a long time. As a matter of fact, as a point of just history, from the time of Jesus' death until Acts chapter 10 is a 10-year period. Thereabout. It took 10 years for, for God to get Peter to this conversation where he would even consider going anywhere with Gentiles like this. It took 10 years. And if you are just interested in chapter 15, where they have a meeting in the church, it's another 10 years before they confront the possibility of bringing Gentiles into the church. Amazing. By the way, that's you and I. We're Gentile people, most of us. Some of you Jews are out there, but we're Gentile people. It took a long time for him to even be willing, after the death of Christ, to be willing to have the conversation. So what does that teach you? God doesn't want you to think that way towards people. He doesn't want you to look at black people and go, oh, black people, or white people, or Iranian people, or Armenian people, or Russian people, or those Korean people. It's, 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 the, it's the calling of things common or unclean. That was the big message. You can get caught up on the food side if you want to, but there's bigger messages here than food. The big message is your attitude towards people, how you see people, you look down upon people. And this was an unusual season that Peter never thought would come. He never, he was exposed to something. He was amazed. How in the world could this be true? And so what happens? Cornelius is a target of Peter's racism over the years. Cornelius was the kind of guy 
that Peter would never talk to. Cornelius was the kind of guy, but Cornelius had a heart towards God, and God knew it. Peter had been given a gift, and the gift that Peter gave was supposed to help a guy like Cornelius. But, but Peter was stuck in a mindset. God used the food thing to motivate him to go touch this Gentile guy. You have the message he needs, Jesus Christ. I need you to go give it to him. Just for the sake of jumping back in history just a little bit. You know the biggest crime in our country's history? It's the fact that God gave the gospel of Jesus Christ to some great guys who knew the word. Some European guys, some British, some British, British brothers, Spanish brothers. And they took that gospel and they went to Africa and they abused it. We were the Corneliuses, the African-Americans, and they went and instead of giving us the message, they enslaved us to build their own wealth. That's not why he gave us the message. If you are a Pentecostal and you think you've got a message for a Baptist person, he didn't give you that message of the gifts of the spirit or whatever you have that you think is better than what they have so that you can look down on those Baptist people. Are you Baptist people? You feel you've got the word of God and you've got such knowledge of scripture and you're just such great expositors of the text that you somehow need to help these poor lost Pentecostal people because they are, you know, they're just undefiled. They're not right theologically. The list goes on. Here's my point. He doesn't want us to look down on each other. He doesn't want us to look down on white people, on small people, short people. He doesn't, he, there's this whole thing. Peter, I need you to not call anything I've made common or unclean. Anything, Peter. You don't have the right to diminish anybody. You, you got to love the white poor farmer up or the rich, poor, rich farmer up in northern Georgia. Or you've got to love the poor, poor guy in the ghetto down in Miami. It doesn't matter who it is. It could be an Hispanic person, Puerto Rican. It doesn't matter who it is. We don't have the right to call anything to God, anybody to God made common and unclean. And what he said, Peter, I need to get your attitude right before these three guys knock on your door. They're going to knock on your door and I need you to go with them. And so he goes with them. When he gets there to Cornelius' house, in verse 25 of Acts chapter 10, an amazing thing happens. The Bible says, and as Peter entered the house, his house, Cornelius met him and he fell at his feet in reverence. Peter is like, I mean, can you believe this is the dude, this is the guy the angel told me to meet. I need to connect with you. I, look, when he saw him, he was awestruck and he shook and he fell down, awestruck and he fell down. <laughs> panicked emotionally and Peter made the most incredible statement you don't need to panic when you see me you don't need to be overly impressed when you see me he said this he said look I'm a man too stand up I'm a man too I don't know what God's doing here but I'm a man too I want you to get up <laughs> boy while Peter starts preaching to them in verse 44. An amazing thing happens. Peter just calmed himself down, didn't panic, and just preached the gospel to them. He decided to lay aside his prejudices. He decided to just lay it down and say, you know what? 
I'm just going to just preach to them. So he does. And while Peter was still speaking, verse 44 says, these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished at the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. You know, in this text, it's really interesting. One of the common temptations is to focus on the speaking in tongues and the praising God. And it's nice. That's, those are great things to talk about. But the real issue is, first of all, Peter, I want you to notice Peter wants this guy not to be overly impressed with him. He wants this guy to not bow to him. He doesn't want any undue glory or honor. I think you should honor leaders. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong in some countries. They bow when they see leaders. There's nothing wrong with that. But, but, but Cornelius had taken it to another level. He panicked when he saw Peter, this guy the angel had sent him to meet. And he's struggling with that. But, but Peter puts him in perspective. No, no, I'm a man like you. He doesn't allow it to go but so far. And then what's really amazing is he sees that God is no favor. No, he doesn't favor people. He doesn't. I mean, he has no favoritism. If you if they wanted God, the Gentiles can have God like they have God. They have the same gift of speaking in tongues as they do. And don't get lost on that. Some of you are not tongue speakers. And, you know, OK, don't get lost on that. The point is they can have God like you can have God. That's the point. That's the big message. That's the big point. And so, wow, panic, emotion, fear, concern, stagnation. God confronts all of it, but he has to pick up Peter and say, listen, don't you panic now. I need you to go talk to this guy. And I need you to forget all your biases against white people, against black people, against Puerto Rican people, against Hispanic people. I need you to simply go into all the world and preach the gospel to everybody. Lay it all down, all your judgments against women and whoever else you don't like for whatever reason you have. We're so theologically smart. We got all these great things we believe about all this stuff and all these famous verses we love. You know, we got our, our famous, well, I think theologically, and here's my view, and Peter could have said, you know, in the Old Testament, the Lord's don't eat this and don't eat this. He could have quoted some verses to God or to the angel. But the angel said, stop quoting me your verses. I need you to love people. I need you to be nice to people who don't think like you. I need you to let me do something unexpected in a way you never expected me to do it. Stop going to your family reunion, preaching to everybody, making everybody hate you. Just go be nice. Just for a moment, can you pause? Can you stop? Can you just lay it all down? You say, I'm a Republican. I'm a Democrat. Who cares what you be? Be a Christian. Be nice to people. Care about people. Love people. Protect them. Get in the fight with them. Help us all stay safe. At the end of the day, Peter, all that matters is that you love Cornelius. You need to say amen to that. Because I'm right. Some of us have lost our way. 
and we're panicking because all this stuff's going on around us. One last verse for you, Matthew 6, 25. Jesus, Jesus reminds us of something. If you're panicking right now, there's a word for you. If you're tempted to be upset and overly worried, Jesus said, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. This is Matthew 26, 25. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. It's not, it's not, it's not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. For they, do, they do not sow or reap or are store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I want you to realize you need to be confident and trust your God, and that's what we're going to talk about next week, confidence. It's time for us to become confident and do the work. It's time for us to focus in, and that's what I'm going to talk about next week. I want you to become a confident person who's willing to do what's necessary to get to where you need to be. James is where we're going to start, chapter 1, next week, and I want you to get ready because I want you to be two things. I want you to be confident. I want you to stop panicking, and I want you to do the work. If you do the work, you can be confident. I'm going to show you how to do that next week. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for what we've talked about. I pray that what we have said has been helpful. I pray that we would lay down our prejudices, our racial biases, our arrogance, our gender biases, our moral biases, and say, Father, we're going to just love people. We're going to have a conviction about certain boundaries. I get that. We're not going to go across certain lines. I get that. But we are going to love people. And so, Father, I thank you that you let the wheat and the tear grow together and you separate. You're the one who knows where people really are. My job is to communicate the gospel to everyone you give me a chance to, no matter who they are or where they come from, and to love them and to care about them. The way this story says Peter was transformed into a guy who had to reach out across a comfortable line. It took 10 years to get him there. How long will it take us? I pray not 10 more years in Jesus name. Amen. And now, Lord, I pray as I close for those with those. I pray for those who don't know you as Savior. Some of those people who said they want to start a life with Jesus and they've not. Some of those who who've been in this stuck place spiritually, let them come to know you today. May they open their heart to know the living God and may their lives be transformed forever. And so we give you all the glory and all the honor for them in Jesus name. Amen. Panic is part of life. We all face it. We all come to moments when we panic, and you learn today that it's part of what you deal with. In the book of Acts chapter 10, you saw Peter panicking when the Lord asked him to eat something that he'd never eaten before, something unusual, something new. The diet had changed in God's instructions, and Peter just couldn't digest that thought. But the Lord said, everything that I made has value. That was a new thought for Peter because it was going to challenge his theology. And sometimes in life, that's what God does. He challenges your theology. What you believe to be okay or what you think is wrong is not wrong. And there are moments in life when you come to a, a real understanding of what growth is. It's embracing a new season. Some of you are in one right now, new job, new city, new place, new relationship, new marriage, okay? You're in a season with new children, you're facing new responsibilities and a different season of your life, retirement. Maybe, maybe you're in a season when you just are not in the same mental place 
you don't like the same thing. Whatever you're dealing with, don't panic. He's with you. Remember what Jesus said, don't panic. Stay cool, stay calm. He knows that you're facing a difficult time. So let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those who are facing a difficult time. And in this sermon, they saw themselves. They saw that they've been panicking. May they learn to stay calm, trust you in the middle of it. Peter was tempted to panic when he saw these Gentiles coming to Christ. It's amazing how hard it is when we face those panicking moments. Cornelius panicked when he saw the great man, Peter. Sometimes it's celebrity panic. You're working around people that are great, they're skilled, they're smarter. You see this great person and you want to bow before them, but you can't. You got to rise up and work with them. Help us all to not panic. Help us to not be so awestruck that we can't do our jobs. Help us to be, Lord, I pray, mature people. Maturity demands that we don't panic. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been a great series. I've enjoyed being with you. I hope you heard all the sermons in this series. If you have missed any of them, I want you to go back and listen to them. Or listen to this now. If you have a friend who needs this message, link it and send it to them and say, hey, this will help you not panic. This is a great message for your life. See you next time. My name is Pastor Rick. Got more to say down the road, my friend. I got some great series coming. You don't want to miss them. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.